I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we have literally zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I've been in Zombieland literally for like the past few days. I've been watching this Korean zombie K-drama called, or Korean zombie K-drama, Korean and K-drama kind of like are redundant. But anyway, yeah, that's yeah, it's called All of Us Are Dead. <laughs> And it's amazing so far. I'm really enjoying it. And uh, yeah, it was like number one on Netflix for like a few weeks, I think, like a Look couple of weeks or so. So I'm really um, excited that people are watching K-drama more often. And this is like a shameless plug, actually, for our uh, spinoff podcast, ATC Debug Pod, which is about to kick off its season two shortly. Um, we... Well, I feel like I have built a nice little community on the uh, Instagram <laughs> account, so definitely go check us out over there, ATC Debak Pod. How have you been, Rico? I've been pretty well, just busy working, um, and yeah, that's pretty much all I can say is that it's been a pretty busy couple weeks with work, so mm-hmm. uh, just try, still getting acclimated to this new schedule. And uh, yeah, it's it's something. Yeah, your it's schedule something. really sucks. Yeah, yeah, I can uh, definitely say that. It doesn't really <laughs> leave time for me to do anything before work or after work. Uh, so really, my days off are where I have to kind of catch up or do any type of movie watching, really. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm sitting right now. So, uh, But enough of that, we'll go ahead and we'll talk about the movie that we are going to talk about this week. But before we do, uh, we do have some housekeeping here. Uh, check us out. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me start that over. You can over. say that if you want. I can say that <laughs> if I want. Why not? So you can check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Always Critic Pod. Lastly, if you're a fan of the show, please, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. And you can check us out on our page on patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. And if this is your first time listening, first of all, thank you for so much yes. for giving us a chance. Uh, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all of them. If you like us, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify because you can now rate podcasts on Spotify as well. Yes. So uh, before we get into our movie, I just wanted to quickly mention uh, last night was the SAG Awards, the Screen yes. Actors Guild Awards. Um, Good I, thing I, I mentioned have... K-drama because Squid Game, bro, yes. don't get, like he, he won Best Actor and then Hoyoni won uh, Best, Best actress. actress. That is correct. Uh, yo, that's a huge deal. That's, that's historical. A big deal. Yeah, that's a huge deal. Uh, big, big, you know, huge for them and for just K-dramas in general, getting that type of recognition. Uh, on the movie front, uh, we had what I believe are a couple, well, we definitely had two upsets, I believe, for sure. Oh, did and, we? And <laughs> yeah, in, in Best Actress, uh, Jessica Chastain took a Best Actress. Um, which, for Tammy Faye. Yes, for Tammy Faye. A lot of people were kind of uh, riding the Olivia Coleman train on that one. And now I feel like for the best lost actress, daughter. Yeah. For the lost daughter. Oh, okay. So I believe that best actress is wide open. I think at this point, I, this I is think a it tough could go, Oscars race. it could go in any direction. I believe because Penelope Cruz wasn't even nominated for the SAG, but she's been cleaning up 
all around for best actress for her role in Parallel Mothers. So it's going to be a showdown at the Oscars between, I believe, those three. Uh, I think Nicole and Kristen is like, thank you for coming type of thing. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> but those are the three that I believe are, are in contention. But the other one, which I think is the bigger upset, is I think everybody was kind of penciling in Cody Smith-McPhee for Best Supporting Actor for The Power of the Dog. And that is now who won. Uh, who won was Troy, and I'm forgetting his last name from the movie Coda. Oh, right, right, right. And yes, he's the first deaf actor to win a, a SAG award. For, to win a SAG award, that is correct. And he could possibly be the second uh, person to win an Academy Award for acting, uh, being deaf, of course. Um, his co-star in Coda was the first, Marley Madlin. So that kind of throws a wrench because SAG is the big, I think the biggest nom- uh, body of voters in the Academy. And the fact that they gave it to Troy, um, maybe there's a bit of an upset there for when the Academy Awards come around. Uh, that's a possibility. And also on top of that, they won Best Ensemble as well over you know, a bunch of other movies. So... I'm not saying they'll win Best Picture. I'm I, I'm still leaning towards a couple of movies that I don't particularly am fond of, but I still think they're going to win. Um, Ariana DeBose. Uh, oh, won. she's a lock. Yeah, she's yeah, a lock. Yeah, one for, was it Best, best supporting, supporting Actress? Yeah, for, yep. at the SAG. So, yeah, and Will Smith, Best Actor, which I think he's got that locked up. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I Richard. think that's it. Yeah, so a couple of awards that I think are locks, but then two that kind of gave us some surprise. So maybe there's a little bit of, you know, at least a question going into the Oscars for a couple of awards. So we'll see how that breaks down and how that shakes out. Speaking of Academy Award nominees, let's go ahead and talk about our latest movie. Uh, The movie that we're going to talk about today is The Worst Person in the World. Jessica, can you tell us what is... The worst person in the world about. The IMDb synopsis reads Chronicles four years in the life of Julie, a young woman who navigates the troubled waters of her love life and struggles to find her career path, leading her to take a realistic look at who she really is. Yes, so this movie is directed by Joachim Trier. Uh, apparently, this is the finale of a trilogy that he's made for himself in a movies based on themes. So I, I've never seen the other ones. I know. Uh, Oslo, August 31st, is one of the major ones, but I've never seen it before. Uh, this was co-written by himself and by Eskel Vaught. And the movie stars Renata Rensve as Julie, Anders Danielson-Lee as Axel, Herbert Nordrum as Elvin, and Maria Gracia de Meo as Soniva. Now, this movie hasn't really done a lot at the box office. This is a small independent movie. This is an international movie because mm-hmm. it is not in English. Uh, so, uh, what language the- is it? I still don't know. Yeah. I'm sorry, and this is not a knock on the on the language or uh, oh my God. <laughs> anything. But I literally, it's, I an, it's in. Norwegian. Okay, so Norwegian is a, is a language. Well, it's not like Dutch or you know. What do you mean? Like you? Like I'm? I literally. Oh, I'm asking like. Oh, you're what thinking? Oh, like what language in? do they actually speak? Yeah. in Norway. I mean, they the official language is Norwegian. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, I mean, they have recognized languages, you know, 
outside of that, but their official right. language is Norwegian. I didn't know if it was like a South Africa sort of deal where they had like a ton where of they, languages and then they just like... But just they speak English they, type of yeah, thing. Yeah, I don't know. Gotcha. No, so, I totally understand. Okay. Yeah, uh, I literally, if you guys can't tell, I walked into this movie completely blind, did not know where the movie was from, uh, but just, you know, <laughs> willing to give it a fair shot, a fair shake. And actually, funny story, I saw your sister in the theater. <laughs> yeah, she mentioned that she saw you. I was like chowing down on this popcorn that I bought. <laughs> and like she comes down and goes, hey, and like sits down next to me. And I've never been so embarrassed in my life. That is pretty I was funny. I'm like, not going to lie. Oh, I'm not prepared for visitors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, Jessica, so. Oh, really quick! It did. It did. It has made 1.8 million so far in the United States, 7.1 million worldwide. Again, this is a small picture. It is actually nominated for best international feature for this year's Academy Awards. Uh, how has it done with critics and with audiences? I mean, you can imagine with a 1.8 million dollar gross in. <laughs> the u.s alone it's got a very high rotten tomato score so it's got a 97 percent critic score and an 85 percent audience score the mm-hmm. critics consensus reads the worst person in the world concludes what how do you Joachim. say his name Trayer's Tr- 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 oslo trilogy with a romantic comedy that delightfully subverts the genre's well-worn trope. So I would not call this a romantic comedy in any sense of the word. Yeah, this that feels a bit off because when you say romantic comedy, there are certain images and certain tropes and certain cliches that kind of hit you. And this movie is no. not that at all. And I understand that it says subverts the genre's well-worn tropes. But the problem is I don't feel like that's in this genre. I, yeah. I feel like this is... This is a drama. This is a drama. This is yeah. a drama. There, There's, of course, there's like moments of, you know, humor. There's moments of love. There's, but in, in the essence, it is a drama. So uh, one uh, one more thing I wanted to add before we get our thoughts on it is that Renata Rensve won Best Actress at, at uh, Cannes when uh, this movie did premiere at the Cannes Film Festival. So okay. with that said, Jessica, what did you think of The Worst Person in the World? Moving, affecting, beautiful, layered, complex, all the things you want in like a low budget uh, drama that nobody nobody's seeing, <laughs> um, essentially. Yeah, that's true. Uh, very much left feeling some type of way. Like I had, I couldn't really process like what I was feeling, and I just decided to like let the like the emotions just wash over me. And I wish I would have like given in more while I was in the theater because I didn't cry, but I was very, very close to crying. Like I had that feeling like, oh, God, I really want to cry right now. But I didn't. (laughs) But you didn't. Right. I totally get it. Lots of development in the third act where I was very surprised that it made such good use of what had happened prior in the movie yes. usually you're like you know you get a third act that's like kind of balls to the wall but this one is balls to the wall in an emotional sense mm. and it left me so bereft like i was like oh my god like <laughs> hand over heart really good experience uh in the theater watching it i would recommend this movie for sure uh don't let the subtitles deter you like i'm here for like subtitles i'm here for foreign movies i'm here for foreign uh content and I do want to go ahead and apologize but because I still didn't know what language this was in when starting this review. 
Yes. So uh, the Rico. worst person in the world. It is. I, it's me, actually. I am the worst person. Oh in the my world. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I would say my feelings on the movie. Oh God. Are that if you look at what I wrote about it on Letterboxd, uh, I wrote that I wish I could go back and re-record our 2021 Top Movies episode because this movie vaulted straight to the top. Yeah. That is not a joke. It's very good. It is. It's great. I I, I had a similar film, like sentiment as you where the movie ended. It did get me during the movie. Like emotionally, it did get me. Um, But after the movie, I was almost in a daze because like I, I... like there were so many thoughts that yeah. I was trying to process about the movie itself, just capturing so many emotions, so many things. And there's there's this movie, just so people know, it's broken up into chapters. And, you know, some chapters are very short, some are a little bit longer, but uh there are certain chapters that kind of just blew me away. Like just by either how fun they were or how wild it was, mm-hmm. or how like gripping it was emotionally for me and i couldn't help but be affected by the movie itself because you know it, you spend so much time of the movie reading it because you know i i don't speak norwegian i don't understand the language i'm reading it but the fact that it makes such an impact while you're doing this double thing of Trying to watch the screen, read, watch the screen, read, but it's still so moving and affecting. Okay, so we still, I don't know if you guys have listened to our ATC debug yeah. episodes, but I mostly, watch, if I'm not watching a movie, I'm I'm reading subtitles like on whatever I'm watching. Right. So I didn't have that reaction at all where I was like doing double duty. I legit was very much like engrossed in like a one for one yeah, maybe it's just because I just watched so many subtitles. Right. But yeah, it's something that y- it is you have put in the work to for sure. s- hear your perspective when watching stuff with subtitles. Is that you're like, I have like t- it's like you have competing like thoughts on the thing. Like you're like reading it and then you're processing in it, and then you're also trying to process the emotions and the acting at the same time. Yeah, so it's it's one of those things where. Like as time goes and more films that I'm watching where we are reading because, uh, again, this is a language that I don't speak and I don't I don't know. So I am reading it. So taking in everything at the same time is still something to get used to. But that doesn't mean that it affected the way I read the movie, because I think this is a beautiful movie. This is a touching movie. This is a movie about a person who doesn't know who they are yet so to me a sister movie to this would be like francis ha ah yes you know what i can see that but i hate francis ha because i I found it really annoying and pretentious this i didn't find annoying at all i found it very genuine i found it very honest and vulnerable yeah i i completely agree i i know your francis ha take for sure but i can see the similarities about uh basically young woman who's kind of trying to find themselves in the world, trying to find out who they are Mm -hmm. as a person. Uh, This one has the added effect of 
who am I not only as a person, but what do I want out of life and what do I want out of, out of a partner mm -hmm. as well? Um, and there's just conflict in this person. This person, I know the title is the worst person in the world. This this is not like a bad person, but this is a person who sometimes can be flighty, sometimes can be a bit, you know, like indecisive. indecisive. And it is just, it's so good to actually see that represented. I, I think you and I can say we've met people that are kind of like that, you know, that yeah. you yeah, feel absolutely. like, man, this person doesn't have their life together at all. And like yes. they're constantly <laughs> making changes and doing this and that or just moving on from a person to person. Imploding relationships that they had no reason to. And right. Like, from an outsider's perspective, you are like, wow, they're kind of the worst. <laughs> right. Exactly. So from the outside. Yeah. But seeing what this person is trying to figure out themselves or how they feel about certain things in life is just something beautiful to watch for sure. Um, honestly, this is a movie that I, well, there's another movie that I want to see that's coming out very soon on HBO max. It's uh, drive my car, mm -hmm. which is yes, another international film. Correct. I think these are the two movies that are competing. So, I'll I'll reserve my judgment as to which one I want to see win best international film. I wouldn't you, be mad if Worst Person in the World won because yes. it is so fantastic. It really is. Um, I just there's there's moments that I want to talk about, so I don't want to. Yeah, let's know, not like keep it. saying, "Oh, it's so good, it's so good," without saying anything specific. Yeah, so exactly. Let's jump into spoilers. Let's go ahead and jump. Oh wait, into what are what are ratings? yes. I was, or grades. <laughs> let's go ahead and uh, grade this. Jessica, what did you grade this movie? A minus. And the minus is literally just for the chapters because in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, I fucking hate chapters. <laughs> and, right. Uh, I, I know. How when they break movies up like that, I'm like, that's the most pretentious thing you can do. But that's the only reason I give it an A minus for my own personal like bias. Gotcha. Uh, for me, it's an A teetering uh, up. Uh because it is just that good. I, I want to see it again because this is a movie that I think deserves like a second viewing hmm. uh, to, to really, because now that I have seen it again, it's, it's the international thing. Now that I've seen it, I have uh, been able to watch it a first time, kind of take in how it was. Now I want to really take in the nuance of being able to just focus more on the actual acting, the more everything that's actually on screen. So that way I can like truly let it, you know, sit. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about spoilers for the worst person in the world right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't the truth he didn't exist oh what's in the box all right let's talk about spoilers for the worst person in the world um this is a movie that we can kind of jump back and forth because the movie the way like you said it's broken up into chapters and i kind of want to start with what is your favorite moment maybe you remember the chapter or but what is your favorite moment in this movie it's 100% when she goes to see Axel in the hospital and has this conversation. But it seems like she spends the day with him. Yeah. Um, 
and they have this conversation outside at the picnic table and it's really just axel musing about his life and how he feels at the end of it yes um i was actually this is something that i've been talking with with my brother uh that particular scene that you're you're mentioning they're sitting outside of Mm. the hospital and they are you know it's really axel who's talking about basically his life Mm -hmm. uh, and what is happening there and he gives this entire monologue it's beautiful it is a beautiful monologue and i i actually want to read a portion of it Okay. Just because it, it was so affecting. And I think for people who haven't seen it, who are, you know, listening to us talk about it, uh, just so you can at least kind of understand what's going on. Axel has just found out that he has cancer. And um, this is a moment uh, where Julie and Axel are no longer together. But Julie finds out, visits him, and he starts talking about his past. And basically, this is what it is. Uh, I grew up in an age without internet and mobile phones. I sound like an old fart, but I think about it a lot. The world that I knew has disappeared. For me, it was all about going to stores, record stores. I take the tram to Voices, uh, leaf through used comics at Pretty Price. I could close my eyes and see the aisles at Video Nova. I grew up in a time when culture was passed through objects. They were interesting because we could live among them. We could pick them up, hold them in our hands, compare them. That's all I have. I spent my life doing that, collecting all that stuff, comics, books, and I just continued even when it stopped giving me the powerful emotions I felt in my early 20s. I continued anyway, and now all I have left, knowledge and memories of stupid, futile things nobody cares about. That hit me so, so hard in the movie. That well, keep moment. keep going. Like, how did it like hit you? Because it just felt too clo- really close to home or... What, like what for me it felt like there was because the age that Axel is I wouldn't say that I'm his age but I kind he was, of grew uh, up what in his forties yeah he was in his early forties but you know I kind of grew up in this age of like two worlds like the first part of my life there was no internet you know everything was physical Every, you know there's a touch. And when he starts comparing that, when he starts thinking about this is how we used to live life, you know, where we would buy things, collect things, we would share them physically, you know, uh, it just for some reason, I I started thinking back to when I was younger and there would be moments where I would share things with friends, but it was physical stuff. We would trade things. We would we would bask in how we felt about this physical object, whether it was like a CD of a musician we liked, whether it was a video game, like it was a cartridge, you know, we would pass it like, hey, you got to play this. And but, you know, in in your head, it kind of seems so trivial, all that stuff, because it's it's things that you really enjoy. But in the grand scheme, does it matter? Is it stuff that matters? But mm. in it matters to you. It matters to that person. Like he even said, like he continued collecting, he continued doing stuff, even though it didn't give him that fully powerful emotion, because at the end, it still reminded him of a time in his mm-hmm. life that mm-hmm. he really cared about and that he, he yearns to be part of again. And then seeing him kind of like stare death in the face and being looking back and like shit, like 
that was my life. That's when I was like truly happy. Like I could, I could sympathize with that because I think we all go through our moments where we kind of feel where, you know, this was a moment in time that I truly loved and I really appreciate and I wish I could go back to. And that's what he's yearning there. He's yearning for that time, but he, he knows what's coming for him. So he's, he's just being retrospective and he's, he's really looking back and, and, you know, obviously I can't put myself in the shoes of someone who it just learned that they are, you know, about to pass away or something like that. But that reflectiveness of what is behind us, what have we left behind? What if, what is there to see that people will see when we're gone type of thing. And, you know, with age, you just start thinking of stuff like that, you know, not as often, but you start thinking about, you know, what, what have I done? What has brought happiness to me? And will people look at it, you know, fondly, you know, if I'm not around, you know, it, and so that's, that's what hit me the like really hard at that moment is is that it hit me hard like as well it hit me like a ton of bricks as well his uh i like when he makes the distinction and says it's not nostalgia and that like was really profound to me because we are constantly living in a sense of nostalgia the older you get the more nostalgic you get and the what he was describing was very much uh, a contemplation of his life not uh, uh, this nostalgic feeling that we are f- very familiar with. It's like completely different. It's like a step above that. And ha- after going through a couple of really big losses in my own family in the past few years, it really struck home when he was like, all I have are these things and they hold so much meaning for me. And when I'm gone, these memories will go with me. And, you know, having to go through people's stuff, especially family stuff after they've um, passed on or, you know, and they're, they're in the midst of passing on. That is very true because I can look at a photograph of my great great grandmother and not find any meaning in, in it. But the person who was passing had so much meaning in it. They kept it for 60 years. You know what I'm saying? Like that to me is very profound and um, makes you think about your life your legacy like he's talking about his legacy and she says oh you'll have your art you'll have your art that'll live on he's like it's not the same it doesn't you know people are not going to get what i got out of it right because he even mentions when the art is out in the world it's no longer it's no longer yours yeah yeah um and that was something to really contemplate is how he started viewing his life after that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, one other thing that I wanted to touch on was that he says at some point that he feels like he stopped uh, mm-hmm. like listening and um, reading things that were new, listening to things that were new and just started recycling the same music, the same content, the same books, the same things that just brought him some measure of joy. Yeah. And I thought that was another very profound thing to say, because at some point we just stop changing. <laughs> yeah. You're right about that. We don't want to learn anything else. Yeah. I, I can honestly sit here and totally tell you like, my musical tastes are stuck in a certain time, you mm-hmm. know? And that's what he said. That if he was using music as a as a good example of that. Yeah. And just 
seeing that was just like wow the, the, like yeah. uh, it, it, it's a little too close like I, I you know it's stuff that i've been feeling personally but that is from the chapter 11 in the movie positive is what the chapter is called uh, another chapter that i want to talk about that i really enjoyed was early in the movie it was chapter two called cheating the cheating one was very enticing because you don't know at all how this is gonna end like it's called cheating so you're kind of like expecting her to cheat on axel but yeah. you know spoiler alert like she she doesn't quite cheat on him but like in my mind she cheats on him like in her heart yes for <laughs> you know, sure you know what i'm saying <laughs> for sure <laughs> and it like she's doing um you know the joke of their their flirtation her and elvin is that they're doing everything but uh cheating like taking the that step like whether it was um like kissing or you know what have you so instead they were doing like other very intimate things with each other like she smelled his sweat at some point like it was like why would you like just these things that like drunk people come up with at like three in the morning (laughs) yep and you know they share like i want to say it's marijuana smoke with each other but like he she's blowing it out and he's like absorbing it without Mm -hmm. them you know you know, making contact with their lips, you know, like all these things where like there is that sense of chemistry between them. Yeah. And, but there's also like that danger that they both sense of like, is this cheating? You know, I I have someone, you have someone. In a sense, it's also them getting drunk off of each other and this like chemistry that they feel with each other. And they're getting drunk off this, the danger as well of breaking possibly breaking their significant other's hearts and imploding a relationship. Yeah. It, That's it's, very valuable to them. It's very them. valuable to them. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is. Uh, and I really, really enjoy it because you don't know, like you said, you don't know where it's actually going to end up. You think because the title and they give you the titles, you know, as the chapter starts. Yeah. So you're expecting Oh, they're going to they're going to cheat. Like it's going to be like what we think would be cheating is, you know, they start kissing and maybe they, you know, have sex or something, but it doesn't end like that. Like it is dawn, they are walking the streets of Oslo and they say bye to each other and first name they, only. First name only. And bye. And That's bye. That's it. That's it. And I really I really found that to be like a fun like sequence like a true one night stand (laughs) yeah a true one night stand without like the actual physical part of it right yeah but like you can see the chemistry between them it was it was just they were telling each other their deepest darkest secrets like it was insane it was insane (laughs) meeting someone and like getting deep like that with someone crazy um another moment that i want to visit is and this is also between the two of them, between Julie and Elvind, is called Bad Timing, is what mm. the name of the chapter is. But I think everybody knows this as the scene where everybody is frozen in the streets of Oslo. That is one of the most stunning sequences I've ever seen. It really was. Like, in film. <laughs> yes. By the way, practical. Yes, I could tell it was practical, too. Like, some yep. people were kind of, like, you know, swaying, Like a moving, little whatever. sway stuff. You could tell they were not CGI frozen. Right. So this is the moment where 
um, Julie and Elvin like encounter each other because Julie's working at a bookstore. It's a daydream. She has a daydream. Yeah, she pretty much does because she's with her actual boyfriend, Axel, who's about to pour her some coffee. And then she like like time freezes right there in the moment where she goes and decides, I'm going to go seek out Elvin. I know where he works. He told me. So I'm going to go seek him. And she's running the streets and everything is frozen. It feels like time is frozen. Meets him at the coffee shop that he works at. And they just run off together. They they start have basically having a date. And they like walk the city and they you know, talk, they kiss, they make out, they go here, they go there. It's another very enticing scene because you can see that she'd rather be with him in her mind than be present with her boyfriend just grabbing coffee. Like Yeah. It's and- very much indicative of her mental state and i think the level of maybe infatuation that she has with elvind yeah maybe infatuation is too strong of a word but i think that there is this level of uh kinship that she feels with elvin because he's young like her they're around the same age they seem to like the same things they had this fantastic uh explosive sort of evening together so it's memorable she feels a thrill when she's with him and you know it's it feels like a very naive thing of her to not only like have this whole sequence where she's just like imagining being with Elvind, but to also pull the trigger on her relationship, like on ending her relationship with Axel. Yeah. And the way it ends is very conflicting that, that relationship between her and axel because she makes it known she doesn't want to be with him anymore and you could tell he's broken up by it like he is heartbroken he's trying to understand why out of out of nowhere and you know they there's bouts of like fighting there's bouts of crying like to the point where like they kind of have like a moment of reconciliation where they have sex it's and it's it's in a confusing moment for the two of them because I thought it was just breakup sex. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. It was breakup sex. But, and then after that, you know, Axel is just broken. He's a broken man after that, you know? Yeah. And we get full frontal of Axel as well. Yeah, We do. We do get full, (laughs) which I did not expect in a million years. I wasn't ready for that, but (laughs) yeah, we do get full frontal and then she leaves. And that's the end of chapter five, which is called bad timing. So, yeah, that entire Their relationship, I feel like I just want to dwell on it for a minute because you find them in chapter one and they have this weird weekend with his friends, with the kids running around. She's kind of like stressed. She's very awkward around the friends Mm -hmm. and especially around the children. They apparently have had the talk about having kids before and she really doesn't want to deal with it. Like she's not open to the idea of having kids and he wants kids. Yeah, because he's so in his 40s. She's he's in, in her 40s. early 30s, 20s. right? Or late no, 20s. I thought, I thought she was like late 20s. Late 20s then, yeah. But, you're right, um, late 20s. Yeah, and he's like, you're at a good age to have kids, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I'm 40-something, I want to have kids. And she's like, I do not want kids. I don't even want to talk about this right now. Like, she is really trying to shut, it's like uh, trying to put a cat in water. Like, she's just yeah. like, no. That's a no. And... I think this is like the major issue with their relationship is that they then two had bad timing. 
They had yep. a large age gap. Yeah. They, generational differences between them. Yeah. And they were at different points in their lives where he was ready to have kids and she was not. Exactly. And that leads to a, a well, I wouldn't say like a huge fight, but like they're the trying. I wouldn't say that's the only thing that like is messed up with their relationship no, but it's not. he also is like mildly sexist like towards her and oftentimes psychoanalyzes everything she does which really makes her angry yes it does and it she really brings does. that up in the final fight as well that he's like constantly trying to analyze what she's doing what she's saying and telling her how she's feeling right instead of just like being a little more carefree and like go with the flow which is her personality yes and so this is like you said this is a relationship that based on the conversation they've had they've had this conversation they've talked about it so and and it kind of leads into other aspects of her life Mm -hmm. like her relationship with her father is a complicated one for her because you know it's some she she tries to reach out to her dad and it seems like her dad just does not really want to be involved in her life. Well, he's just not interested in her life. That's more what it is. He's and not interested. will not make an effort no. to become interested or be present. Yeah, like when they ask him, you know, you can come to Oslo and visit us, and he puts up an excuse about parking. The parking. Like that's his excuse, and it's <laughs> like that just shows you the uninterest that he has about actually going It's like, and I've I've told you this before, I have parking anxiety and I hate like going into like downtown areas where there's like a parking situation or issue. Yeah. And I'll still do it. Like I want to have a good cheeseburger. Like I'll I'll do it. (laughs) For for stuff like that. But like your own daughter, you know, yeah, your own daughter, you want asking you to come to visit her. If that's actually your hang up, like, and not just an excuse, then you'll fix it. it, You'll find a way. It's crazy. So yeah, so that that's an aspect that's of, very of, frustrating, and that was frustrating yeah. for me to watch as well because I come from a very close knit family, and that just didn't compute to me. No, even no. in um, you know, a divorce aspect, like I have no doubt that my parents would still love me to death and be there for my birthday or come visit me in Oslo or what have you. So yeah. it's just like a huge uh, blow for her huge and her blow. psyche. Yeah, to the point where he kind of mentions. Uh, Axel mentions to her that you know she needs to make her own family. Like it, the the this is a theme in my own personal life is like the family you choose, um, where you actually make the decision of who you want to be close mm-hmm. with. Who who mm-hmm. do you want to have those personal relationships with? It's not always blood, but you know right. the people you choose. So um, another chapter I want to talk about is after she breaks up with. Uh, Axel, she does move in with Elvin, uh, but the 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 big point here is chapter eight, which is Julie's narcissistic circus, is what it's called. Uh, basically, they do shrooms. Is that the shroom sequence? Yes, it wouldn't be an indie movie if it w- didn't have a uh, a drunk or drugged out sequence. It is wild. It's balls to the wall. Like I have not like. She's she imagines herself um, old, like her body is old, but her face is young and then people are like feeling her body. So there's like, am I supposed to read into this? Like, does she have a weird um, obsession with getting older and 
losing or and having kids and possibly having kids possi- losing her youth. Right. Right. Because Bec- she has there's like a baby that's um um on the breasts at one yeah. point. So it's like yeah. Yes. Yeah, and it's her face that stays the same, but her body is the one that has changed like old, bigger, yeah, you know, wrinkled and everything. And you know, but people and, are like touching her, like hands are still touching her. Yeah. So it's like the sensuality and pleasure doesn't go away, but she's old and like I don't know. It's like a weird. You could probably write a thesis on this one you, sequence. You, you can, and and then she has a confrontation with her father. Inside. She throws a tampon at him. Yeah, and like like, <laughs> like an angrily like and ru- you know runs blood on her cheeks. Puts like, blood on her cheeks like it's a um, like it's what a they, war. No, but like they do that in football. Like what's oh, it called? Like the yeah the, the black the eye black that yeah. they put under the eyes. <laughs> yeah, of, yeah, for the sun. For the sun, like she uses blood. It's like war paint. Like she puts yeah, it on, like, like war, war paint. paint exactly. And, you know, she has that. And then she has like this. It, it gets even more psychedelic. But like, hold on, because I actually want to talk about like the war paint, like her yeah, yeah. period blood being used as like yeah, war paint. Yeah, that's true. It's her period where it's blood. Like, it basically represents like her femininity and like her lack of a child as well. Yes. It's like she's wearing it like a badge of honor almost. And like this is I'm going to war against like the patriarchy. <laughs> like right. I'm staring I'm still, at my own I'm father. I'm still a woman who can make my own choices, who mm-hmm. who. I do not need to have a child to feel, you know, like I can be a woman. Yeah. You know? Uh, And yeah. And she still carries that resentment of her father. No matter what. She's literally put it like, oh, like angrily putting her period blood on her face while staring at her father. It's like (laughs) weird. It's weird, but like very layered. (laughs) It it really is very weird. And then at, at a certain point, you know, Bobcat, which is the animated cat that Axel drew. That's right, yeah. Uh, He's like a, a Jim Davis kind of dude. Yeah. Like, I would, you know. Yeah. I, I Jim see Davis is the creator of uh, Garfield for yeah. those who don't know. So he's got like a, bo- like, what is it, Wildcat or Bobcat? Bobcat. <laughs> Bobcat. <laughs> yep. And yeah. She Bobcat eats Bobcat. her child. The yeah. child that she was envisioning breastfeeding, uh, Bobcat eats her as a hot dog. Um. Yeah. It. It's so crazy. What else? What else? <laughs> um. She falls through the floor. Like she falls through. Like her. Like out of nowhere. Like she just hits the carpet and it. And like it just keeps going. Um. Yeah. This is a crazy thing, and it happens in a sequence of like f- three minutes. It's. It's not very long, but it feels like an eternity because it, does. <laughs> it is just like so like visually. It is just you have to take it pretty yeah. much. Yeah. They're they are feeding it to you. They are force feeding it to you, like, hey, this is this is her on shrooms right now. Yeah. And this is all of her thoughts and all of her emotions while taking a psychedelic drug. And just here. Just make of it take what it. you will. <laughs> and then, you know, she finally wakes up and still has like the My favorite is the, the crusted up like yep. blood on her on her cheeks, <laughs> and, and he just goes, like, "You should take a shower." And she's like, "Oh, do I stink?" And then she <laughs> like touches her face, and she goes, "Oh, oh yeah, let me take a shower." <laughs> she's and like, "Oh my like, god, that was real." <laughs> probably never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that's a that's a very interesting chapter in in the movie. 
Um, obviously, we we've talked about when she goes to see uh, Axel, but what I do want to talk about is pretty much towards the end is chapter twelve, where it's called "Everything Comes to an End," and it's after she takes Axel to the building where he grew up and he was inspired to become an artist. And there's like moments of reflection for them, especially Mm -hmm. for him for uh, like, he's, he's talking about how as a child, like he would see these colors in the windows and he would use that for, for painting. And, you know, you see the, like the camera holds in certain moments of how he viewed it when he would sit next to the window, like this color of, of light was blue in the window. And then this was yellow. And, and it, it was, it was very touching to see what he what he went through or how he grew up, you know, in his pretty much in his last moments. And and in that moment, we do get him saying that he wishes he could just continue living with Julie. And yeah, he tells her that he feels in his, you know, heart of hearts that she was the love of his life. Yeah. And that she was a very formative, important relationship to him. Yes. And that even though she has many years still to live, like he wanted to let her know that, like he was like, I wanted, I want to tell you, I want you, I wanted you to know. Yeah. That I I wish we could just be in this apartment. I just want to live in my flat with you. With you. It was very simple. Very simple. And that right after that, after they kind of depart from that, she receives a voicemail from Axel's brother reporting that his condition is worsened and that he won't most likely won't make it through the night. Mm-hmm. And so she walks the streets of Oslo, you know, pretty sadly and watches the sunrise with tears in her eyes. And like, yeah, you just see the emotion just wash her over her. And, you know, she's accepting what what's happened. You know, this is someone that she cared about. She loved this person. You know, even after they had broken up, she goes to. There's something be with that him. I f- that I feel deeply is that that they were soulmates. Mm. Her okay. and Oxel were soulmates, separated by 20 years <laughs> or yeah. whatever whatever their age gap was. And even though they couldn't make it work um, romantically, I think that their souls were somehow connected and that they felt such a deep bond. And she kept saying, I never have, I've never had conversations like I have with you. And it means so much, right? Mm-hmm. The words mean more than the physical stuff at the yeah, end of the day. Exactly. It's, it's what you say to each other and, and how that makes you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, not only does she suffer the loss of Oxel, you know, immediately well we we find out she was pregnant before that's a whole thing like do you want to talk about her pregnancy and the way she like processes that because yeah. that's the kind of the reason also why she goes to see oxal yeah. in the hospital is that she found out she's pregnant and like she doesn't know how to feel she doesn't know who to tell and she basically goes to talk to um like uh, someone who's not gonna say anything like right. a secure person yes exactly someone she trusts with her life, essentially. Exactly. Um, and he tells her that he'll, she's, would be a wonderful mother. Yeah. That she's a wonderful person. Which and is. It's just, I don't know if you've ever had a conversation like that before, but I have not. And it is very affecting. Um, she starts crying. She's like, that's very hard to hear. 
I remember her saying that. That's very hard to hear. And like she doesn't really. I know that it gets into her spirit and she kind of starts to believe it because what does he have to lose at this point? Like he is an open book. Yeah. Um, And he loves her like he still does. He does. He does love her. And, you know, he's very honest with her. He's like, do you want to keep it? Like, what are you going to do? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. And it, it is I think it makes such a difference, I think, in her journey for him to say, you know, win or keep the baby or lose, lose the baby, what have you, like, you're a good person. And I think that's probably, she needed to hear that. She needed to hear it. Yeah. Because I think at that point in the, in the movie, in her life, you can kind of sense like she is kind of attacking people whether it's with her actions or even her words. Like she gets yeah, into she, a fight with She got Elvin. in a fight with Elvin and like, destroyed him in a minute <laughs> yeah and it was all because like he found her, like her actual me too like letter that she wrote she wrote this like i don't know if how do i call it an op-ed piece of you know feminism and oral sex and so she was writes that? that yeah she, she i thought she wrote something else and then threw it no out. no no like that is oh. the piece that he he found so she writes this um it's called oral sex in the age of me too. And so she writes, Oh, are you talking about Axel or Elvin? Hold on. Well, I'm talking about Elvin when he finds it because Uh she writes this early on. Yeah. Yeah. Shows it to Axel. Axel thinks it's very good. She publishes it as a blog and starts sharing it to a bunch of people. And like semi goes viral. Yeah. It goes uh, semi viral. So later on, and this is after the shrooms episode, after, you know, a couple of things. This the is break up with Axel, but she yeah, knows that she finds Axel's out sick. that Axel is sick. She comes home and Elvin has found the letter. I guess he had never read it before. Like, so he, he, he said that it's good writing and everything, but like, she's kind of like nitpicking, like, you know, what do you mean? And then she's like, no, it's not. And kind of just attacking him for just him. Well, finding he it. says, he says something like, um, it's nice to read about you. Ah, uh, yeah. And she says, it's not about me. And she starts bitching about that. Yeah. And so she kind of takes it out on him. And that goes to show that she has not shared anything about herself with Elvin, the way that she shared herself with Axel. Because Elvin reads one think piece from her and is like, wow, this is great. I never knew. Like, And is complimenting her writing, which means he never read her writing before. And that is a really big part of her I feel part of her creative um side and (laughs) like it just goes to show that relationship was doomed too because she wasn't being vulnerable with him she wasn't opening up about herself she it was like like she never um gave him a shot no never and so it go it ties with you know with Elvin it kind of ties back to chapter two with cheating it's all about the thrill it was Mm -hmm. all about the emotion the of the high. moment chasing the high when they're there together like building a life and they move in together and all that you kind of start to see the seams of the relationship and how they're kind of breaking apart mm-hmm. because it's not really there it's not an actual tangible relationship that is it's a bad foundation it's a bad foundation exactly uh and yeah i found that to be interesting so leaning back to um, later on, almost near the end of the movie, after 
Axel has passed away, then she miscarries. Mm. You know, you know. This scene, went, well, after the miscarriage and she's just sitting there. Yep. Amazing acting. Because amazing I acting. saw on her face relief. Yeah. And I also saw a little bit of disappointment. And a little bit of like. I don't I don't know what the word is, but it was mostly relief mixed with other emotions. Yeah. Like it, it, she was conflicted. Very conflicted. And like tears, but I I can't tell if they were happy tears or if they were sad tears. It I can never find if it was angry moment. tears because I know, yeah. you know, some people cry when they're angry. Yeah. And it's hard to tell. And I, I love that she capt- captured that. She is incredible. She definitely deserved her, you know, best actress for oh, that con. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because she is she is a great actress throughout this entire uh, movie. And that, that leads us to that ending epilogue scene. So time has passed, you can see. Uh, she is now a full-time photographer on a film shoot. And she's like taking pictures of this actress and trying to get her to emote correctly. And then after she's done wrapping up, she looks out the window and sees the actress go out. And who is she going out to see? Her significant other, Elvind. And they have a child. They have a... He brought the baby. And, you know, she... I. And this is just my interpretation, but I feel like at that moment, she's kind of in her mind for those few seconds, kind of reliving that portion of her life. Just thinking about, huh, I can't, I had my time with that person. And, you know, and then she probably assumes like, you know what? Good on them. And well, I had, she still has her own thing. I have it. Well, at the end, that's what I thought too. Like, that she thought good on them. But I had a different approach to that scene where I just love how her eyes are like open. Like she's just like, oh my God, like I recognize that man. And like, he's got a baby. Like that was one thing that they agreed on was that they didn't want children. Both of them didn't want That's children. That's right. That is and right. And that brought them together. That was a big so thing. Now, that was a huge thing. And then the pregnancy um, kind of threw a wrench in that. And You know, they were both very conflicted, but I almost feel like she feels a little bit responsible for his current happiness now because I'm sure had she not had uh, the, I don't want to say pregnancy scare because it's not a scare. She was pregnant. She was pregnant. If she had not gotten pregnant and them have to process that and the miscarriage that he probably wouldn't have opened himself up the way that he did to have a child later on. Hmm. Or it would have taken him way longer to get to yes. that stage. But it, overall, like that's just the deep messaging there of, you know, yeah. how one person can change you. Yes. Can change your entire thought process as to what yeah. you thought you wanted versus mm. how you actually end up in a certain thing. And, you know, credit to the filmmaker, uh, Trier, he, he showcases Elvin as happy in that moment. Like you can see it. As yeah. a family, it's a family unit that's happy where they are. And, you know, focusing on Julie's reaction to seeing them. 
just smart filmmaking. There was no regret. There was no anger. There was no animosity. There was no jealousy. It was very much an open-hearted reaction from her that was like, oh, wow. Wow, I know that guy. Wow, I can't believe this world is this small. Wow, good on them. Very good on them. Mm -hmm. Um, Good for him. (laughs) Pretty much. Is there any other parts of the movie that you wanted to discuss? I would say that her taking photos of Oxel just before his death is very uh, formative for her as well. Yeah. To become the photographer that she is at the end of the movie in the epilogue. Yeah. Um, because she at, up, up until that point, she was very much still listless, still unsure of what career path she wanted to take. People were asking her what she does and she was like embarrassed to tell them she worked at a bookstore. And at that point, it almost seemed like her... Oxel and his end of life process gave her art and her passion and her talent new meaning. Yeah. And she uses that like because she definitely has the skills to draw out emotions during her small, you know, set with the actress who turns out to be Elvin's wife or whoever. 15, 20 seconds max. Yes. And you're like, oh, she's very collected. She knows what to ask. She's, um, seems to have a passion for it and she at the end she's editing the photos that she just took of like elvin's uh lady and there isn't much like again like animosity jealousy anything like it is just a job to her but it's a craft it's a craft yes oh and she chose that over you know at the very beginning she wanted to be in medicine like and it was like <laughs> psychology yeah <laughs> you know and then she does get into photography but then like drops it drops it wants to be a writer she likes words books and is just a generally creative person versus someone who goes into medicine which they can be creative too for sure but as that a career i think it would have like sucked the life out of her and she knew that and she knew it and that's why she changed her profession or her studying early right. on. Right, right. I, man, I I definitely want to see this movie again because I just think that there there's so much to just grasp. Yeah. And, and just watching someone living their life. And yeah. there being were large un, undecisive portions. in their life. Indecisive. And like, it's almost like a welcome thing because I know some people were condemning, like maybe Axel is the most negative toward her behavior. Yeah. But on the most part, she is free to make these decisions and sleep around and, you know, try this and try that and work in a bookstore and just like not really worry. And she, Axel's like, where will you go when you move out? And she's like, I'll just go live with my mom. Like it's... (laughs) (laughs) it's there's like these safety nets also for her yeah so she i don't think she actually has a chance to fail on her own really like because you know she can make up her mind and change her mind all she wants but there is always someone or something for her to fall back on in a way so like you said i'll just live with my mom you know, or when she's talking to her mom early in the movie about changing career paths. Mm-hmm. And it, very you know, supportive. Very supportive, you know, all the way through. Like, yeah. I think she may, like, ask, you know, a question <laughs> very quickly, but, you know, still, you know, if, if you need help, we're here. 
you know, yeah. type of thing. Yeah. So. And, you know, talking about the mom, this is the last thing I'll say probably because we're, we're almost at an hour. Um, that she has this moment where she's grappling with the um, weight of the responsibilities of the women that came before her. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they go through the family photos and like by her age, by, well, by my age, she was doing this. By my age, she has seven kids. By my age, blah, blah, blah. And I, I feel that to a certain extent as a woman that I'm not living up to the same um, standards that the women in my family have or ha- my ancestors or forebears had. Yeah. And am I doing enough? Can I break tradition? You know, all this stuff like running through her head and going way back, you're like, they were just baby making machines like they didn't do that much. But in in her mind, it's like, I haven't really accomplished anything. And she's dealing with her own legacy stuff. Yeah, she touches on her own legacy stuff. And then again, we get Axel talking about his own legacy later on in the movie. Axel so. really tried to steal the movie from her. Yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> like big he time. He really tried. Uh, shout out to... Um, Anders. Yeah, Anders. Shout out to Anders. Danielson Lee. Uh, very, very good. Um, so, again, this movie is nominated for Best International Fil- uh, Feature Film and Best Original Screenplay as well. So that's a nice showing for them. We'll see what happens at the Academy Awards. Again, this movie has won uh, awards for best international film, like from the New York Films Critics Circle, from Gotham Awards, from uh, the Belgian, San Diego, like hmm. just all around they have been winning awards. So this is a movie that has just really resonated with people. So, well, I I can't say anything else. I mean, we've we've gone through a lot of this movie, but if you did like this movie, go ahead and let us know on our socials. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. We're there at Always Critic Pod. Let us know what you thought about the movie. If this is your first time listening, thank you first off for listening to us and going through the movie with us and go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google podcasts, and many more. If you really like this, give us a five-star review on Apple podcasts and on Spotify goes a long way for us. And why don't you go ahead and consider becoming a patron? If you're a fan of the show and have been following us, uh, we would love for you to become a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show support for the show. Not only this show, but also uh, K Rambles Daybot Podcast. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's all under one umbrella. So if Don't you have made your way. Don't let me fool you. Uh, I'm very passionate about ATC Daybot. <laughs> yes. Yes, she is. So if you have found yourself from Daybot coming over to here to listen to us speak, go ahead and consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. So with that said, that has been our show. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always a Critic podcast.